We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my producer, Marcus. What's up, Doug Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, welcome to the Andrew Wiggins era of Golden State basketball. Do you feel any different? How does this podcast find you guys? I'm hella hyped. I'm just ready to, yeah, find us ready to break it down. You got a lot on deck for us to talk about, so I'm pumped. Let's do it. Yeah, it's what a weird thing um, that this trade has done. And I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody out there or even just for you boys, but it has legitimately reinvigorated this Warriors season for me. And it's not like they're suddenly speeding towards the playoffs. They haven't even won a game since he's come and played with us. But I'm legitimately looking forward to every tip ball now just because I kind of want to see him out there and watch this team slowly develop. Am I alone in that or are you guys kind of fired up about it too? No, I'm juiced. This has been the more fun three-game stretch that I can remember so far this year. And I also feel like we're seeing the uh, OG brand of this era of Warriors basketball again. I just feel like we're moving a lot better. And it's like we're moving forward, right? And we're going to go through the ins and out of this. We're going to look at this thing from every single angle. But one of the upsides to this trade is that we have an, an actual direction now, right? Like, so before the trade, I loved D'Angelo. I, I think that he helped the team. I think that his skill set is absolute. But he added a whole bunch of confusion to the Warriors. We didn't know how the hell it was going to work, right? You don't know how to do the draft pick because you already have guards. You don't know what role he's going to occupy because you're already have the Splash Brothers. Now, with Andrew filling a position of need, you know, there's a little bit of certainty. But I tell you what, let's organize our thoughts and let's jump in. We're going to be doing all Wiggins all day today. Uh, for those who have wait, no wait, idea wait, what... Wait, wait, wait. I got I to jump in. I'm, I'm not as pumped as you guys are. Maybe some of the listeners aren't either, and we're hoping one of us would say that. But um, it doesn't make it as exciting for me. I feel like, I mean, he's a better fit you know, we, we needed, uh, you know, some shoring up at the three versus, you know, the one, two positions. But, you know, Wiggins is exciting. I just It doesn't make this season any more exciting. I haven't watched the games and been anticipating every tip ball like you. I just kind of feel like it's still another lost season, and now we just have somebody who's a better fit. But it's still we're still in holding mode waiting for Steph and Clay to get back, and it doesn't – it, the most exciting stretch of games for me were the ones where Kai Bowman is dunking on people and you what know, you all talk of our scrappy okay. underdogs. No, get out of here. What the hell are you talking? There's no way that you were True more story. excited by <laughs> Kai Bowman's presence than Andrew Wiggins. And, and, and in case you guys can't tell from the cadence of our voice, we're not in the same room, right? You can tell we're kind of uh, on phones and in different places. Another th- immediate illustration of that, if we were in the same room, we would have our soundboard. If we had our soundboard, I'd play the big downer sound for Marcus saying he's not excited for this. I thought the trade happened a little too soon. I have my reasons for why I think it was ultimately good in the end and ready to debate Maxime about it. But I think the the timing of it, like we're in different rooms and I feel like you and Maxime are like in Andrew Wiggins' new house defending him. I'm trying. I'm trying to get in. D'Lo, oh. like D'Lo, we were talking about how Pairing him up with the pick and bringing back Giannis. I mean, would you pick 
Andrew Wiggins over Giannis? I mean, I'm not saying he's leading us to his championship. I'm just saying I'd like to be excited for it. And you're over here pissing on my parade. You can at least give me the 30 seconds to be like, hooray, this has happened. This feels like the Eeyore of the podcast. But I tell you what, <laughs> let's let's jump in. I want to hear. I mean, like the next thing you're going to tell me is actually I hate sunshine, rainbows and puppies, too. You know, and they just bore me and I cannot stand them. But. Let's set up the trade, then let's hear your position, right? Here's the trade for those who have no idea what we're talking about. Also, if you have no idea what we're talking about, what the hell are you doing listening to this podcast? If you like the Warriors <laughs> enough to follow a Warriors podcast, you should probably know about this trade. But yet and still, the Warriors get back Andrew Wiggins, uh, a 2021 top three protected first rounder, and a 2021 second rounder. They give up D'Angelo Russell, Omari Spellman, and Jacob Evans. Uh, a couple of just logistical points on Wiggins. He's 24 years old, 6'8", small forward, the former number one overall pick in the 2014 draft. A guy who was so good coming out of college where he went to Kansas, he developed the nickname Maple Jordan because he's uh, Canadian. Uh, career averages, 19.7 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists. And this year, he's actually beaten all three of those. Uh, so far this season, 22.5 points, 5 rebounds, and 3.7 assists. Let me start here, boys. So I know apparently Marcus isn't excited just because he hates joy and happiness, and Maxime <laughs> is because he's a good person. But when you found out about this trade, did it surprise you? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And what was the immediate reaction? Too soon. Yeah. What about, like, Giannis is done. I, I felt like our off season will, now looks completely different than what we anticipated. I mean, if he has a great rest of the season and we still get a top three pick and you compare that up, I still think, yep. you know, the Warriors explore, um, you know, what the market bears, even though it's it's not a – a huge summer for um, for the league, but I just felt like they panicked a little bit. I thought all the stuff that I was reading and kind of our analysis of it was the Warriors are light years ahead. They're too smart to panic and push the button on a Wiggins trade. That trade makes more sense from a fit between the positions that Wiggins and Russell play, but Wiggins isn't a defensive stalwart. You know, it's just kind of biding time and you're switching like for like in too many ways. And, then all of a sudden we pushed a button. So I think however that 2021 trade pick conveys, if Minnesota ends up still being bad and, you know, we've, you know, the last pod we talked with uh, Kristen a lot about how this next draft isn't very strong, but the one after that is loaded. So hopefully Minnesota does terrible um, next season and that pick becomes, you know, a, a great pick for us. And then I think you can evaluate this trade a little more fairly, but when it first happened, I was just, a little deflated because it felt like our Giannis dreams, however far-fetched they were, um, deflated completely. I was confused. The timing of it, and I'm going to mirror exactly what you were saying, Marcus. I don't know why they had to do it now. If, if you know, best-case scenario, you wait to the playoffs, work themselves out, and then you find out. Does Milwaukee sh- the bed? Does the experiment in Philadelphia fall apart? And if they do, then you make a run at some of the more elite players, find out if you can do it, and then back off if that doesn't work, and you can still go after Wiggins. So I was confused as to the timing. But I think one of two things happened. One actually really heartens me, 
The other really concerns me, and I don't think we will ever actually know unless we get an opportunity to speak to Bob Myers. But here's the two possibilities in my mind. Either one, Glenn Taylor, Minnesota, they ultimately accede to Myers demanding a first rounder um, this year, right? Or, I'm sorry, next year in 2021. That this entire time they've been going back and forth. They said the only way we are going to trade D'Angelo now is if we get some kind of godfather offer and Minnesota ultimately was willing to include that 2021 pick. So they viewed it as a godfather offer for all the reasons that Kristen described that draft. And if that's why they did it now, if they really have that much faith, then fine. You take advantage of it. You, you seize the assets. But the other thing that may have happened, and the reason why I think this might be the, the rationale behind it, um, is because they gave up Omari Spellman and Jacob Evans as well. The other reason this may have happened now is because the Warriors didn't want to get stuck in the repeater tax. And they wanted to shed salary right now this year before they got into the offseason so Lacob didn't have to pay that repeater. If that played any role in this at all, then I'm frustrated, you know, because we've been told that the Chase Center is a black card and we don't have to worry about money. And why would they be making personnel moves based on financial decisions? So I, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get a real answer on this. And I'm on board for the trade. I'll explain that in a second. But that kind of was my first reaction. I was worried about the timing of it. Um, and I'm worried about the rationale for that timing. I feel like... It's a smart business move. It's it's $50 million spread out over three years. That's that's a sizable amount of money. I think it's wise to be smart with your pocketbook right now in order to prepare for a future where you're likely going to be back in the luxury tax. I mean, and if you look at it in another way, yeah, sure, we're taking on a $30 million a year player in Andrew Wiggins, but if you're in under the luxury tax or, or under the repeater tax for the next three years, like that's like 16 mil a year for a starting caliber uh, wing player. Like, I, I think that's a pretty reasonable trade. Yeah, but we aren't, we're not Lacob's financial advisor. We're fans of the Golden State Warriors. I don't give a shit about Lacob's bottom line. I mean, you know, great if he makes money, but really what I want is this team to uh, get wins. And so if they're making personnel decisions, I want those decisions to be made with the intention of making the team better, not with the intention of making sure that Lacob's bottom line is being protected, if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. And actually, I don't even, I don't really think that that's the, the primary reason that they ended up doing this. To me, it's what it's what Kerr said. I don't know if you guys heard this. About when Kevin Durant arrived, how long it took Kevin to acclimate to our style of play. And after about three months, he really, everything clicked. Um, but in those first few months, there was a lot of exploration. There was some frustration. There was a lot of watching film and questions. And, and so we feel like this is really a positive thing that we're getting Andrew with um, you know, a couple of months remaining in the season. He'll end up playing about 30 games for us. And uh, by the end of this season and then going into next, he's going to have a much better feel for what we're all about. So I think there's absolutely the case to be made that you can see Wiggins coming into this organization, taking three months to acclimate, and then getting a whole year next year to start from the ground running within our organization to look like a much better player than he has in a dysfunctional Minnesota Timberwolves organization that's had four coaches over the first six years of his career. Um, to, to turn him into an asset that actually is really interesting because he has a tremendous upside, and we'll get into that. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, you know what this netted us is like what you're saying is that 2021 first round pick that conveys to a 2022 uh, first round pick that's completely unprotected if it happens to fall in the top three in 21 so to me that's that's the big asset 
And if you can well, if you can pair a revitalized Wiggins um, next offseason with whoever it is that we draft with our ridiculously good pick uh, this offseason, say James Wiseman, and then that now conveyed 21 pick or the tantalizing um, unprotected 2022 pick, that's a sexy enough offer as far as I'm concerned to get a Bradley Beal, a Victor Oladipo, shit, or maybe even a Giannis himself. So you don't think that they've sacrificed anything by making the move now? Um, let's let's get you boys arguing, right? So we've got a brand new segment. We've already kind of bled into it, but let's set it up. It is called "Why I'm Right and You're Wrong," and it's a lot like a debate class. So I have asked Marcus and Maxime to research specific positions. Not this is what they believe. This isn't actually their position. This is just the position I've asked them to take up on this podcast, right? So Maxime is going to explain to us why he thinks the trade was a bad move, which is going to be interesting because we've just kind of heard that he apparently enjoys the trade in real life. And Marcus is going to take the exact opposite side, which is also kind of interesting because he's already hedged that he's not even excited by it. So uh, I will stop talking for a moment, turn it over to Marcus to start. Marcus, give us a pitch. Why was this a good move? Will do. What's up, Maxime? Looking forward to this. Um, so first off, point number one, uh, the Warriors have three all-stars. Those positions are at the point guard, the shooting guard, and the power forward. Uh, this new player on uh, Andrew Wiggins fills a need in the three and five slots, which we need. He fills the three in a lot better way than D'Angelo Russell ever would. So I think the trade on its face value of filling the need for the Golden State Warriors roster once Steph and Clay are healthy is a great fit and delivers us a player who's low maintenance, uh, has the potential to be a fringe all-star, and fits in nicely, doesn't need the ball to make an impact. Boom. I like it. Retort. Maxine, what do you got? Are we talking? So, are these opening statements, or am I just jumping in to specifically retort this opening point? I just I want to know how you want to format this. You know, I, I'd like to hear a little bit from you now. You can retort to what he just said, and then if uh, Marcus has further points, we'll give the floor back to him. All right. Well, the fit thing is is definitely tantalizing in comparison to D'Angelo Russell. But if you look at the the season when. Wiggins was a third option behind both Cat and Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. He didn't perform particularly well. I think he had an offensive rating of 101 and a defensive rating of 113 to 115. I mean, those are both some pretty negative numbers. So, this sounds like research, too. I lo- even if those numbers are wrong, I love that you did a little bit of research, man. <laughs> Nicely played. Uh, yeah, listen. Check these numbers out. Wiggins' defensive rating by season f- from rookie year on. 114, 113, 115, 113, 115, 113. In sum, that's a defensive plus minus of negative 1.9, right? So overall, that amounts to the worst defensive rating for any player who's played at least 15,000 minutes. So that means an active player is in the league, of which there are 481, he ranks 430th in defensive plus minus. That is really bad. And then on the offensive end, 103, 106, 107, 101, 100, and 105, which is a minus .4 offensive box plus minus. He's supposed to be good on the offensive end. Why are those numbers so bad? The only thing that's interesting about those numbers to me is the consistency. He's consistently mediocre with those numbers, so I'm not sold um, on either end of the floor. 
Marcus, from what I can tell, this guy can't play defense for shit, apparently. And there's like 50,000 numbers attached to that, so it has to be right. <laughs> What's your response? There are a ton of, ton of data there, and I applaud Maxine as well for <laughs> digging into the stats. But I'm just more of a, of a gut guy. I'm not, I'm not in the advanced analytics on this one. I think just by the eye test and by the sheer joy that Sir Wiggins plays with, you can tell that he's a much better fit. Um, as far as defensive rating, yes, he's never going to be a stalwart. He's never has been, and I don't think even with the masterful – uh, Darren Collins or Ron Adams, he won't crack all defensive team first or second. But I do think there's room for improvement. When he first came into the league uh, as being quoted as Bram saying Maple Jordan, um, that wasn't just because he had a sweet jump shot. It was because he has the length and the athleticism to be a good defender. I think he was stuck in a bad system. He had four coaches out of the six years that he was in Minnesota. So that turnover is a little tough. And I think he just needed a change of environment to kind of give him that kick in the butt to make him a little bit better defensively. Again, he won't make an all-defensive team, but um, the player that you didn't mention that was right down there with him um, in terms of defensive rating was D'Angelo Russell. So if we're trading like for like in that point, I'll take a better fit at the three than a duplicate fit at the two. No, hey, listen. I'm I don't want to weigh in. Hold just just for two seconds. I don't. I won't weigh in argument wise. I'm going to turn it right back to you, Maxine. But if I have to choose between nicknames, Maple Jordan versus Sir Wiggins, I'm going Maple Maple Jordan for sure. I'm not sure <laughs> if you were trying to push Sir Wiggins, Marcus, but I'm going to go ahead and reject that as a nickname. Maxine, what were you going to say? No, Bram. I'm actually really glad you brought that up. Is that just because he's Canadian? And so, like, has he been knighted? I need to. I didn't see that in my research. <laughs> Are there Canadian knights? Yeah. I, I wasn't aware that that happened either. I mean, they're a part of the Commonwealth. They get, they get knighted with they get knighted with a hockey stick, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good Canadian knight joke. Jesus Christ! <laughs> right back to the Wiggins, Maxine. What do you say to that? So, well, if so literally, this is just position. He hasn't had an opportunity to play on a real team that focuses on defense. This team has Ron Adams, right? He's going to have support. He's never had anywhere else. Does that change your mind? Yeah, no, I, I I think that Marcus brought up a really good point. D'Angelo is also rated actually lower than Wiggins. I think he's like 460th out of 481. Yeah. I mean, And he was me... also not known for being a defensive player before he came here, and Rod Adams couldn't change him into a defensive player in the 30 games that he had, so why should we be convinced that it's going to be any different with Wiggins? Boom. Bullet bullet point this for me maxime all right give me give me however many points come to mind just straightforward not immediately reacting to marcus's why is this why could this be a bad move if he's he already said bad if, defense yeah if he continues to be consistently mediocre i mean if you just look at the eye test he's had many stretches of games where he just looks like he's not putting in any effort so i mean obviously of course he's been playing lights out in these first three games he's looked awesome um but anybody would look awesome when they're moving to a new team they got some adrenaline going you know let's let's look at it in april let's look at it next season in in the middle of november is he going to be able to keep up that consistent level of play that he's showed over these first three games or is that just a fluke yeah, I mean, I'll add some concerns to this bullet point list. His contract is awful. He's he's a max guy, and he hasn't had a max output yet. His defense is questionable. Um, we've had a lot of questions about his effort. Jimmy Butler basically called him a giant b- when he left Minnesota, right? So, I mean, there there are 
absolute reasons to be concerned. To paraphrase what Marcus has already said, it may have also cost them their opportunity at people like Yanni Zandetokounmpo, you know, the biggest free agent since, I don't know, Kevin Durant. So there's very obvious possible downsides. Do the same for us, Marcus, on the upsides. Bullet points. So positional need you've given us. What other upsides to this trade are there? So I think there's this one in doing my research and getting ready for this debate. Um, I had one kind of um, admittedly far-reaching um, bullet point that will will be here, but I I don't know if it happens. I'd have we'd have to ask Connor and Wes if we could get any inside knowledge. So I'm just assuming that this happened, um, but no direct knowledge. But I think this trade was good for a reason that's completely behind the scenes. Everybody knows that D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Devin Booker are great friends. They were at a magazine shoot for Slam over the offseason. They all joked and said, we're going to play on the same team together. Everybody laughed, and then they didn't laugh. And they said, no, it's true, we're going to do it. So that was known that they wanted to play together. Bob Myers and Joe Lakeup and the Warriors front office have now traded a player that they said they wanted to keep that they ultimately ended up switching for Kevin Durant um, last season for to a place, to a team that probably was the place that D'Angelo Russell wanted to go. Now, again, I don't know anything about if any conversations were had. I think that they were. And I think because this is such a player's league, I think the rumblings that happen and the whispers that happen that we probably won't hear about are that the Warriors organization is a great place to play because even if you're not in their future plans, they still look out for you. (laughs) If Bob Myers went up to D'Angelo and said, I know this isn't the best fit. We both know it. I heard that you want to go to Minnesota. Is that true? And D'Angelo said, yes. And he said, cool, I'll make that happen. It happens that, you know, Bob is still has to put the Warriors first, but there's this player there that makes sense. They can get a, solid draft pick in the 2021 or 2022 draft out of it. And it makes sense. I think D'Angelo is telling other players behind the scenes and it won't make it, you know, to Yahoo sports or ESPN. And they're saying like, yeah, like they looked out, we had those conversations and they traded me to a place that I wanted to go. They didn't do like the Spurs and cast me to Toronto, the coldest place because they knew it was the farthest away from LA that we could send Kawhi. They sent me to a place and said, you know, like, we care about you as a person, too. This is business, but we're also good people. And I think that that goes a long way. Again, maybe it's not true. I'm just reaching. But I think those conversations happened and that that matters to free agents. I think Giannis will look at that. And when he hears about it during All-Star Weekend, they'll be like, okay, I think it's just another check mark in the Golden State Warriors organization is a good organization. If you have to go somewhere, if you want to force your way to somewhere, they're on your short list. So you're saying it's the same kind of rationale for why Lacob retired KD's number when he left us is yeah. that he, he, they want to have a public perception of this is a player's place. You're going to want to come and play here kind of idea. Exactly. And they retired Iggy's number too, right? Like that was mentioned. So, you know, it's, it's the player's place. It's where, the organization doesn't just look at you as a business. And you've heard so many players say that, you know, Andre Drummond just got traded and said, wow, I didn't realize this was such a business until just this moment. And 
you know, it feels like the Warriors did the exact opposite without going public about it. Well, you're not saying that's why they did the trade. You're just saying that that's one of the benefits of the trade, that there's like a fallout on this and it's going to help us. Exactly. I, okay. I think it, 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 because they could have had other players, right? I mean, Wiggins wasn't the only available player, but he's a good player. He's a solid player. He unlocks the position of need for us and it happens to be a place that pairs up the person we're trading and it makes it, you know, us look good to this yeah. player to say, Hey, we also have your best interest in mind as a player, as this brotherhood. I see that as a collateral benefit, right? So like if, if, if they are benefiting from that, that's great. Um, that's the kind of thing that you cannot buy. So, you know, phenomenal upside. But I certainly hope that it wasn't one of the motivating reasons why they made the trade. You know what I mean? That as long as they're just trying to make the team better with the actual talent that's coming in, if there's a collateral benefit of players out there now realizing that Golden State always looks out for their personnel, then, you know, absolute upside. Um, let's get to real opinions, all right? Take away from the debate. Give me your guys' real take. Maxime, you happy? Yeah, I've spent a lot of time, as you could tell, um, considering, reading, watching some film, trying to understand who this guy is. And uh, as I've read more and more takes about why people are pissed off or why Warriors fans are pissed off about this trade or why Minnesota fans are so ecstatic to finally have Wiggins off their back, the more I realized... I'm I'm actually I'm pretty in favor of what Bob Myers did here. I think it's a really good move. Marcus, you agree? I agree, but I'm not as sold on it. I have a a fair amount of nervousness. I, I think it's a much better fit. I think a healthy um, starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and then whoever we have at the five, whether it be Loon or if we luck out and get a Wiseman or somebody like that, um, is still a title-contending team, but we need a bench. Um, but I'm just nervous that we didn't get a bigger player for the assets that we had. I felt that we were set up well with D'Angelo. I think if he has a great season, as he was doing, and then we have a top pick, that you can pair those up and get somebody good. Um, but that all portends the idea that I know more about behind the scenes of what's going on in the league than Bob Myers does. Well, and, and, and I don't want to do that. You'd also require a time machine, right? I mean, that also assumes that this 2021 pick is not going to be crazy valuable because it, they, they didn't just get back Wiggins. They got back this draft pick too, who's going to become hopefully an impact player, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, I mean, ultimately the... I mean, you look, I just hope, and I say nervousness and maybe it's more hopefulness, but I hope that there is something bigger on the horizon that they're going to go after. You know, like Anthony Davis, for all accounts, is happy in L.A. and it's a foregone conclusion he's going to resign. But he will take meetings. One, he will take a meeting with the Chicago Bulls. He's already said, you know, he would listen. So I feel like we would do enough to be able to at least pitch him. So maybe there's something there that we don't know that's going on. Maybe there's something behind the scenes with Embiid. Or I just, it feels like this move wasn't big enough for what we were all anticipating, and it feels like they're, they're not done. So if, if that's true, then I'm just looking forward to what's the next move. If this was all it was and, you know, they see something we don't, you know, and I 
they see what I didn't see when we traded Monte for Bogut. And I was yep. like, this dude doesn't even, he only has one elbow. Like, yep. why are we trading for yep. him? Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, like I, you know, again, would love to be wrong and just say, Bob, you deserve it. But, yeah. um, I'm just a healthy level of nervousness of what that next move is. You've hit on my main take which is we can trust this front office. That's not something as a Warrior fan I've been able to say for very long. It seems familiar now, you know, after five straight title runs, we know that this front office essentially knows what they are doing. But for years and years and years and years, you know, under Cohen, under Gary St. Jean, under Dave Tordzik, they made terrible decisions. This front office isn't like that. So from just a baseline position, if they made this move for personnel reasons, and I know I've already done the whole luxury tax thing, if they did this move for personnel reasons, I trust them, right? But back up, my opinion. So if I'm not just trusting Myers, I think there's two ways you can look at this. If you look at it in a vacuum, right? Literally just a talent swap, not how they improve the two teams. You know, if I was just creating a team from scratch right now, well, I can see why D'Angelo's skill set may be a little bit more valuable than Andrew Wiggins. He is a point guard who can create for himself. He can hit the three, something that every team needs in the NBA today to succeed. Also, I've mentioned that Andrew's contract is kind of shitty, right? So just in a straight vacuum, I can see why people would think they didn't get fair value back. But there's even pushback on that. They got, as we've said, a 2021 uh, first rounder, which could be crazy valuable. So valuable, I DM'd our uh, draft guru, uh, Kristen, and let her know first, made fun of myself. We spent all that time in our last episode telling her not to tell us about the 2021 draft class. Now, like, all we want to do is know about it, right? So I kind of screwed that up. But two, I also asked Kristen, in her mind, what's more valuable? A top five pick right now in 2020 or a 10 to 15 pick in 2021. And it took her two seconds to DM back the latter, that she would much prefer the 10 to 15 pick. So this thing they got back, even in a vacuum, Wiggins plus that 2021 pick might actually be more valuable. There's certainly room for an argument, but this isn't in a vacuum. Right. This this was for the Warriors. They're trying to make the Warriors a title team. And I think that everybody can agree that this move pushes them closer to a title. Wiggins plays a position of need. We're now paying max money for a guy whose role we know who's guaranteed to start and probably finish games, not max money for a guy who is basically guaranteed to come off the bench or for, if nothing else, a guy whose role we had no idea about. This also puts Wiggins in a position to succeed. This guy has faced nothing but unreasonable expectations since being the number one pick. He was dumped into a burger situation in Minnesota, was never able to live up to that, and then has been facing you know, unfulfilled expectations since 2014. That's a hard thing to succeed in. I'm that dude. If I play with people on a court who know I'm good, I'm way better than if I'm playing on people at the court who think I'm going to fail. And he has been playing in a situation where everyone was kind of expecting him to underachieve. So we're taking him out of that and putting him in an area where he can flourish. And it's already working. Uh, Here's a quote from Wiggins this week. Quote, it's been great. I feel like I've been adapting pretty well and guys have been helping me. But you get easier buckets like this. Basketball is fun. Everyone is looking out for each other unselfishly and everyone is trying to get each other open. So it's a great 
feeling. So I, I believe in this guy's mental state literally changing and helping him reach areas we haven't seen. And, and maybe the most important thing for this is that the direction for the team makes sense to me now. For example, look at this draft pick, right? We're going to have this top five draft pick. Before D'Angelo got traded out, really we were kind of heading towards a, a rock and a hard place. We already have guards, but this was a guard-heavy draft. We almost needed to get the number one pick to, to ensure a position or a shot at Wiseman because he was the dude we knew who could help us. Now, whatever the hell pick we get, one through five, doesn't matter. Any of them will help us. If it's a guard, fine. They can come off the bench. If it's Wiseman, fine. They fill out the position. You know, and, and finally, and this is the one I've, I've already brought up, I'm kind of excited for this year now. You know, but I guess Marcus doesn't give a shit, which is unfortunate. <laughs> you know, but, but I now have a reason to kind of buy in and watch because I feel like I'm actually watching next year's team developing now. So I am on board for this trade. Yeah, I mean, just like in terms of, putting the money where the mouth is or the stats where the mouth is it's it's converting in his joy is converting into legitimate um high success right he's like right. way more efficient he scored 69 points on 40 attempts and like the most important the most important point of all of that is that he's only only four of those attempts have come from the mid-range and that's what so many people were roasting him for in minnesota is that he was like this dead zone shooter he's like completely changed his game overnight in this different system so i think it's i think it's really showing up on the court too i'm just hoping it sustains Let's venture into some predictions. Let's see how well we think this guy is going to do. And let me start here. Gentlemen, will Andrew Wiggins average more or less than 20 points per game next year for point of reference? Right now, he's averaging 22.5 on the year. And in his uh, small sample size with Golden State, he's averaging 23. What do you guys think? Over, under 20 points per game. Hmm. I'm going to say just under. I think he's around 18, 19. And not because he can't do it, but I think once he becomes the third option again, um, legitimately, I think Steph and Clay both average over 20. And Draymond will be left open a lot more. And his, his average will kick back up enough that Wiggins won't be able to get to 20 a night. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm under for the exact same reasons. Maxine? Yeah, I agree, but I will say if he ends up going over, it could be because he's a legit ball handler, and it could be a situation where we see him running the second unit a little bit more. And if that's oh. the case, he might have opportunities to actually have a pretty high-scoring impact. I like that. Kind of stagger him out the way they used to do with Clay and yeah, KD. Exactly. Uh, will Warrior fans like Andrew Wiggins more or less than they liked the Black Falcon, uh, Harry B.? Harry B, the Black Falcon, Thur Wiggins, it is. Um, I think that I, I, I'm going to go push. I think there were... Oh, I hope that's fans, not true. Fans loved Harrison Barnes in certain moments, and they were super frustrated by others, mostly because he could knock down a three when it mattered. Yep. Um, if Wiggins can, you know, like pick his percentage back up, then, you know, I think ultimately we will like him a little bit more, but he's he's such a clone of, of Harrison Barnes minus the defense. Like Harrison was, 
you know, pre- pretty good at defense. You could switch him off even onto fours and he could hold his own. So, Do you um, think Harrison Barnes you know, is a better player? I think he's a better defensive player. I think um, I think Wiggins is a better offensive player. I I I don't know why I've like completely turned on Harrison Barnes. He never did anything to me. We won a championship with him on the roster. But when I look back on the Harrison Barnes experience here in Golden State, all I remember is kind of disappointment. Like I remember being excited when they drafted him at seven, and I remember he had kind of a good series against San Antonio uh, when they lost to them in the first round. But I, I don't remember a whole lot of other big moments. So if Wiggins' career here in Golden State is basically like Harry B minus the defense I'm going to be very disappointed and to be optimistic <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to like Wiggins more than uh, than HB yeah the reason that people became so polarized against Harrison Barnes is because of some of his playoff performances and we just haven't had a ton of opportunity to see <laughs> Wiggins in the playoffs they like have had one playoff round. They lost in five to the Rockets. So I don't, you know, he could be an absolute cutthroat in the postseason, and then it's going to be great. Like that's what we care about. We need a sixteen-game player. How many All Star games? You will, you will call him. You will call him Harry B, and you will not laugh about it when you decide to call him. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I really appreciate you doing that, Marcus. And because of that, I will call Andrew Wiggins Sir Wiggins. I have no problem with that. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there are in fact Canadian knights, and they use a hockey stick to uh, to anoint them. So I mean, you may want to factor that in to wow. your Canadian knowledge. Point five gentlemen is my over under the question is how many all-star games will andrew wiggins make as a warrior i will take the under not because i have a complete lack of faith in this guy's ability it's because i have a total faith in the ability of people like lebron Ant davis zion carl anthony towns the west is loaded in the front court and i think it's asking too much of wiggins to break into that elite group wait so what's yeah, the number the exact same way Point five. If he gets a single all-star berth, then he'll get the over. I'm exact same. I, I I think it's the under, but it's not a reflection of how good he will be with us. It's a reflection of how many good players there are in the West. I mean, you know, there's this there's just too many. You saw Devin Booker had to get in because Lillard got injured and Booker is killing it, you know, like so if if that type of season still doesn't get you into the all-star game, except for as a injury substitute, um, I think it's going to be too tough for, for Wiggins to get in once Steph and Clay get back. Yeah, I mean, I take the under two, but I think in, in general, we need to be a little bit cautious about these sorts of conversations. You know, I want to hope for the best. I want to hope that he can turn his career around enough to be – pushing these conversations even though i agree i think his ceiling is not high enough to to break into the types of stuff that we're seeing devin booker not make either um but yo i mean that's a huge huge move for him to make um i'm prepared for him to be somebody that succeeds as a third option and that's not going to make it in the west 
Well, and I also, I like the idea of setting the parameters for this dude's success as just helping the team, not objective things like all-star births, right? I mean, if I'm going to go and then mm-hmm. wax poetic about what a great new situation it is for Wiggins because there are no expectations here, then it's probably better if he's not expected to make an all-star game. Just come here and contribute, right? And we're going to talk about what we want his role to be, but I like the idea of really your success is going to be dictated here, not by individual accomplishments, but by team accomplishments, something he never even got to sniff in Minnesota. Um, Or if those individual individual accomplishments are ones that contribute to the greater good, like I would much rather see him focus on cracking the top 200 in defensive rating as a player than than an all-star berth. Lead the team in steals and blocks, or you know something like that, deflections or something, something that um, that changes the bottom line. If you could pick a best friend for him, somebody on this current Golden State roster, who would you pick? I'm gonna go off the roster, but in the organization, and I'm gonna go Steve Nash. He's Canadian. Um, he. <laughs> has a good record you know he's he's currently the godfather of rj barrett and he's mentoring him and you know i think rj has a lot of potential but you know seems to be in that tweener mode of how you unlock it i think steve would be a good person to help him kind of navigate a new system a new team coming to the west coast and um again that canadian linkage i think might be something to help you know andrew feel a little more at home I love inadvertent FUs, like like passive aggressive FUs. They're they're one of my favorite things in like social interactions. And you just had a great one. I love that my question was, okay, on this roster, who would be your your chosen best friend? And the first words from your answer were, I'm going off the roster, which was just an inadvertent oh, f- your question. I have a, an answer that's so much better than your stupid question. Maxime, who would you pick? You go off the roster, dude. I'm not taking it well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then I'll stay on. No. I uh I'm going with Marquise Chris. What? Because I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that there is there's a couple of things, the age factor, and I also think that they're both high lottery picks that are finding a second opportunity here in Golden State and I think they're going to be able to bond over that. You know that I, I probably should have clarified. I'm not just trying to find him a best friend for social purposes. I'm trying to make him a better player, man. You know, it's like, oh, I, I think they both have the color blue, so they'll definitely get along on that. I think they both <laughs> like to show The Bachelor, so they can they'll have something to do on Monday nights. You know, um, I'd be a little bit concerned about establishing a relationship between Marquise Chris and Andrew Wiggins, only in that if they are both looking to try to figure out how to elevate their careers, right? And the one person they can ask is the other person on that roster who has no idea you know like andrew goes to or goes to marquise chris like what have you done to get yourself better it's like oh i have no idea i just got here from phoenix how about you oh i have no idea i just got here from minnesota so you need more supportive friends in your life man that's like look i mean apparently you're you're absolutely right uh I was going to go Draymond Green. I thought for sure that by going last, I was going to be the third person saying Draymond Green. But no, uh, we found a couple other people. I want somebody who can not only show this person what the Golden State culture means. 
I want someone to show this person what a work ethic means. Draymond Green has exceeded his body and his expectations every single minute almost he has been on the floor. And so if Wiggins is going to come in and quickly learn how to change up a career, how to change up habits, how to change up traditions he's established since 2014, he not only needs somebody who can tell him how to do that, he needs somebody who can tell them how to do that as vociferously as Draymond Green. I can't see him playing games, and I bet you he would get in that ass to improve him. I will also say, and I have no reason no reason to back this, but Wiggins strikes me as the kind of guy who would have gone to that goddamn Janet Jackson concert with Draymond Green, especially <laughs> now. I think he's trying to improve himself, right? Um, if you could pick a role for Wiggins, right? If, if our goal is to have the Warriors win a championship – what role specifically do you want to see him fill? And this one I will go first on. Um, all I want him to be is a guy you can hit open threes, a guy you can take advantage of the consistent one-on-ones he's undoubtedly going to get with the Splash Brothers and the spacing that is going to be provided to him, and a guy you can use his length to just be disruptive on the defensive side of the ball. So if I was going to quantify that, if this guy can come in, Give us, you know, 30, 32 minutes a game, 15, 18 points per game. Doesn't have to be 20. Yeah, what, five, seven rebounds and a block or a steal and show the kind of effort and mentality that that illustrates, you know, he's here to change up everything. I think those kind of small contributions are enough to make this team a title contender, if not a title favorite. Uh, What are you guys hoping to see? I'll give you two words. Yeah, I'm going to say. Harry B. (laughs) Uh, Give me a little bit more than two words. What do you mean by that? (laughs) If he can just be a reliable 3 and D, um, that's what we need. You know, somebody, granted, who can be a little bit more consistent in the postseason, knock down the big shots when we need him to, but also our stars are a little bit more seasoned now and they're less likely to need somebody in that role to be the big knockdown shooter at the end of a game. So I think if he can just improve his defensive consistency a little bit um, and be able to fill it, fit in a little bit better to a ball movement style offense that the Warriors provide him, I think that's going to be a huge, huge success for us. How great would it have, would have been if if that HB or Harry B had just been a head fake acronym? If like after you know, we all fired up, like, oh, he must mean Harry B. And he's like, yep, I want him to have Harry Balls. It would have been, <laughs> it would have been a surprise analysis. Marcus, what are you hoping to see out of this guy? That's a softball pitch for Manscaped. We need to get them back in. Um <laughs> Do not get that story out of Maxime again, dude. I, I just stopped having nightmares about that. <laughs> um, I'm going to go a uh, uh, B version of um, Iguodala. I think he would be best served if he can be a Swiss Army knife, um, where he can get to your point, you know, in the teens of points per night, um, up his rebounds, you know, to six, seven, eight a game, and then four or five assists. But mainly, um, if he can, to Maxime's earlier point, be that second unit leader and kind of make it so we're not completely nervous when Steph and Clay need to go rest. I think that's always been a bit of a respite for us when Iggy and Livingston would come in. We always felt like 
the game wouldn't get too far out of hand because those veterans were there. They would calm things down. They would make sure no big runs would happen, even if we didn't grow the lead or we didn't, you know, cut their the opponent's team's lead down too much. That we would still be there because they would hold hold the line. Yep. Yep. And I think if Wiggins can turn into a veteran, hold the line. I'm going to do what you need to do. Like you know, they go on a a 6-0 run and then Wiggins comes down and just hits an elbow jumper and it just kind of kills the momentum every time. I would love that out of him because then Steph and Clay can get their rest and they can come back in and, you know, I think we can have our patented third quarter runs when we need to and really close out games in the fourth. If offensively, and this is not a clean analogy because man who came off the bench was a six man and we know Wiggins is not going to be. But if offensively, Wiggins can supplement the offensive scoring for the Warriors the way that Manu supplemented Duncan and Parker, this would be the perfect offensive marriage. You know, and there's reasons to expect that he can do that. This guy can average 20 against frontline starters. If you put him in with these second units, there's a real good reason to expect that he should be able to dominate out there or, or at least get his own shot and make a large percentage of it. Our last question. Bram, boys. that was an excellent comp. Oof. Hey. Hey, thanks man. I really appreciate yeah. that. Even if you if you didn't mean that, I appreciate the compliment even more. I want you to say <laughs> that just as many times as you can, but it does lead us to our final question, boys. Will the Warriors win a championship with Andrew Wiggins in the uh, Golden State uniform? Oh, I like this building silence. It's adding tension. I'm I'm not going first. I'm going to let you guys go first. Yeah, I'm going to say they do. I'm going to say they win it next season, and it sets us up to have an unbelievable opportunity to go land an even larger star if we want that or to decide that we're going to stand pat and have him be a key piece to our future. MT? Oof. I think if they're going to, it needs to be within the next two years. Um, and I, I think, I don't think Wiggins is the, the player that our championship hopes are predicated on. I think it's all the players that we can get with the mid-level and, you know, all the other, um, spots on the bench that we can, you know, use now that we're not going to be hard, hard capped. I think if we do a good job of getting the Marcus Morris's, of next season off season yeah. and those players from buyout, then I think we can win. I think if we only have Steph clay, Draymond and Wiggins and our bench is still too light and Pascal's still too young and Chris is still too young. I, I just worry that in a playoff environment that a, a team like the Clippers or the Lakers, they're just, they're too savvy and they're too veteran to, to lose a seven game series. So if we can do well, with the other players, I think Wiggins is a great compliment to get us over the hump, but I don't think he does it alone. Are you viewing, if I'm, if I'm reading between the lines right, are you viewing Wiggins as hopefully more of a future trade piece than as a future player for the Warriors? I mean, if the right trade is there, you know, if we can, for some reason, pry Anthony Davis away from the Lakers, if would, we, would, or Giannis from the Bucks. Like, how about I think Embiid? For the right would, player. Would you trade him for Embiid right now? Right now? Uh huh. Yes, but only because Embiid fills the other need that we have, and I feel like we could go get a strong three in our system easier than we could go get an Embiid. 
How about Ben Simmons? Um, I mean, like we talked about in the last pod, I didn't, I wasn't sold that that was a great fit. Yeah, but um, I mean, but for Wiggins, anyways. right? It, this is no longer D'Angelo for him. Now it's, it's. I mean, I, I hear you. The, the the concerns with him on this roster would be the same. But you know, would you prefer have Simmons to Wiggins? No, I wouldn't. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think I. I think I ultimately agree with that. I mean, I I like this trade. We will see where it ultimately goes. Um, and to answer my own question, I do think they win a title. I'm not quite as optimistic as Maxime is for next year. I think that this year, hopefully, he plays enough games to acclimate himself to this uh, to the. A program and to the system they're running here, but I think next year there's still going to be some growing pains because he won't have played with Clay, even if he has played with Steph this year. So it'll take a little while for them to figure out exactly how this experiment works. But I think within the next two years they ultimately do bring in a title. Um, Marcus, I'll share this with you in the audience. We've kind of screwed over Maxime here, so we've been working up this idea of the "I'm right and you're wrong" segment. I gave you guys these positions, you know, about a week ago, and what I asked Max seemed to do is while he was researching his position, which he very obviously did research the shit out of it, to also pull some sound clips to make it even more official. And then we get into the actual argument and I cut him off and don't allow him to play any sound clips at all. So we've kind of him over here. Maxime, do, do you have a clip you want to play us now? It'll be totally out of context, but I mean, you found it. If you want to throw it up, now's the time. Nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Can I just give you, no, because you know what? I'm not I think we're past the point where where we're trying to debate either side, and I'm clearly pro. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to give me the floor, I don't want to end this on a downer note for everybody out there. I want I want people to be hyped about Andrew Wiggins. So instead, can I give you can I give you two different stat points? Yes, you can. Boom. All right. It would have been funnier if I had just said no, but I'll say yes. Yeah, go ahead. Stat one. He's hella robust, so people should be hyped about this. In his first four seasons, he missed a total of one game, and then since then, he's missed eight, sorry, nine games last season, and then eight this season, which means that he's missed a total of 18 games, and D'Angelo missed 19 in a Warriors uniform. <laughs> hey, all right. So that's pretty sweet, um, especially if we're trying to talk about Iguodala comps. People are obviously very sad that the Miami Heat signing means that he's probably not going to end up in a Warriors uniform at the end of his career. But, you know, he really was a 16-game only player, and he was going to be resting a lot um, next year on, on the Heat. So I'm excited about somebody that's going to be able to play almost every single game for us. Can I compliment you on your decision of using the word robust as opposed to healthy? There's just something kind of fancy about that, man. Nicely done. Yeah, thank you. And while we're at it, can I compliment you on that earlier use of the word vociferously? Like, I, you know, I really, I would really appreciate that. I, it felt, it felt like a robust word and, and appropriate for the moment. So, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, well, you use it. I think I speak for all of our listeners when I'd like to say both of you stop complimenting each other. <laughs> <laughs> all right, point oh, two. Holy <laughs> <laughs> I have no compliments for you, Marcus. You shut up. <laughs> um. Andrew Wiggins turns 25 next Sunday, the 23rd. Let me give you the list of which he is one of 10 players who have made at least 87,000 points before they turn 25. Ready? LeBron, KD, Melo, Kobe, Tracy McGrady, Anthony Davis, Shaq, Bob McAdoo, and Giannis. So all of those names are either in the Hall of Fame or for sure Hall of Famers. 
Maxim, I'd like to compliment you on that list. I thought it was really well researched and written. No, I'm that dude. Those are this guy has talent. He has talent. You don't you don't accidentally end up as the number one pick. You don't accidentally put up twenty two points over five years in the NBA. You know, the frustration with him has not been because he's not talented. The frustration has been because people feel like he hasn't reached the full level of his talent. And if what we've just described is a series of reasons of why here, unlike anywhere else, he will be able to reach that nadir, then, you know, we know exactly why this was a great trade. That in mind. I also think. Go ahead. Wait, I also think one more thing. So, so earlier we talked about how when he was the third option on a team with other two other stars and Jimmy Butler was basically saying, you know, like he's, he's not a good player. He's not worth what, what, what he is to the team, you know, like Jimmy Butler essentially said the same thing about Embiid and Simmons. I mean, he went to Philly and immediately left. So I think the perception of him and his role and what he can contribute as a third option is skewed because Minnesota, as we've already talked about, didn't have a strong enough culture and a strong enough roster to really give him, you know, a legit shot. So I think what we're going to see from him is more of that number one overall pick in a draft quality and talent. And hopefully, hopefully Collins and, and Ron Adams can, get out of him some of that defensive potential too. And then I think it'll really all round into form. When you say Collins, do you mean Marquise Chris, his new best friend? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. You should just be happy Maxime didn't say Bugsy Bogues. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking about best friend in a zombie setting. Otherwise, I'm sure that's exactly who it would have been. Of course. <laughs> of course. Go, Warriors. Thanks for listening, <laughs> you guys. I'm going to dispense with our, uh, our usual outro because I got to get the hell out of here. But we appreciate you. We love you. And uh, we will see you hopefully next week. Good, good.